The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and so Jesus, wearied as he was with his journey, sat down beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And he whom you are now with, and he whom you now have, is not your husband. This you said truly. The woman said to him, So I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such the Father seeks to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will show us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But none said, What do you wish? Or, Why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the city and said to the people, Come, See a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples besought him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him food? Jesus said to them, 
My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? I tell you, lift up your eyes and see how the fields are already white for harvest. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of your words that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. So with the extended reading for today, I'll try to shorten the homily. Um, but it's such a profound and beautiful scene. We spoke uh, about it uh, recently in one of the conferences downstairs in the crypt. Uh, so I apologize to some of you who might hear some repetitions of the same things. But um, it's a very profound scene. And uh, St. John in his gospel, it takes up one of the longest conversations that Christ has with another individual. And he puts it in almost as this entire chapter so that we might benefit from this conversation that Christ has with the Samaritan woman. So briefly, the history we know, uh, he's in Samaria. The Samaritan people are, uh, again, this kind of mix of the Jewish race with the Assyrian nation. So there is this blending of their religion and worship. And this Samaritan woman, it says, comes to the, water, comes to the well to draw water. And so Jesus has already preceded her in this. He is there to meet her in the ordinary events of her daily life. And little does she know it. But this is the power of Christ, is that his providence places him in contact with us daily, in, our ordinary, in the ordinariness of our life and in our ordinary events, that these ordinary events can be transformed through simply encountering Christ in them. What we see here is this woman who sets out from this town and she comes to draw water. She comes with a natural desire for, in order to satiate a thirst that is natural. But she'll leave from this well having had a spiritual experience with Christ, encountering him, and she will receive from him a different type of water that she will drink that will satiate not only her body but also her soul that the longing of her heart that maybe she had even forgotten about will be satiated through this encounter with Christ. We look at it as some of the church fathers do through the lens of the passion of Christ. What we see is Jesus, he makes this journey to, through Samaria to the point where he is exhausted and he collapses next to this well, that's what it says in the Greek. Because of his exhaustion, he sits down by the well it's that profound image, as we've said before, of the passion of Christ. That the Lord who exhausts himself to come and find us has done that for this woman. He has paid the great price of his exhaustion, as one of the commentators says, 
in coming to find her. It says it was about the sixth hour. That should also take us forward to the image of the passion of Christ. So that the same exhausted Christ who hangs upon the cross for the sake of his church is now exhausted here as he sits beside the well and waits for this woman of Samaria who represents the church. And she comes to draw water and she sees him. She encounters Christ sitting next to this well in the same way that the church encounters Christ on the cross with the wellspring of eternal life gushing forth from his side. And Jesus says to her, give me a drink. This has the prefiguration of what he will say on the cross where he will say to his church, I thirst, I thirst. We know that that thirst is a thirst, yes, for natural drink, but also for love. In this scene, it's interesting because we see that hunger and thirst are expressed in relationship to Christ. And water and food are also expressed in relationship to Christ. This thirst that he has extends beyond his human nature in a certain sense. It is the desire to receive love in return for the love that he has given. He wants simply a drop of love in return for the abundance of the wellspring of love that pours out from him. Later, he speaks about his food, which is simply to do the will of his heavenly Father. And so he hungers for the accomplishment of God's will, and he thirsts for love. And that is what he is inviting us into, to simply return a little bit of love for the abundance of love that we have received, and also that we might satiate Christ's hunger by simply accomplishing the Father's will in our life. And in that way, we are able to give to Christ food and drink that is pleasing to him, love and obedience to the divine will. It says also that his disciples had left him and gone into the city in the same way that he will be on his cross abandoned by his disciples. At this point, they've gone to buy food. At the time of his passion, they will have fled because of fear. The Samaritan woman says to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? You can see the hardness of heart that is there between the two peoples. And she simply expresses it in a statement that shows the extent to which this animosity has built up between these two peoples. To give someone a drink of water when they are thirsty is the most basic act of charity. And even this most basic act of charity is almost non-existent between these two peoples. Now what you see is something very beautiful, is that the words of Christ and conversation with her have multi-layered, multi if you will, effects upon her. The first is that his words begin to soften her heart. He doesn't respond with animosity, and the sweetness of his words, you can see, immediately softens her disposition. By simply having a conversation with Christ, the beauty of his speech, the poignancy of his words, are able to permeate the heart and begin to soften it. And Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So what he's saying to her is that, yes, he began with a question, 
but she should also have started with this beautiful question and asking, and asking for something higher than she initially desired. And so this is the other thing that changes in her. Slowly what happens is that the natural desire that she had becomes a supernatural desire through conversation with Christ. At the beginning of the conversation, she desires what is lower. At the end, she is filled by what is higher. And so not only is her heart softened, but also her deepest desires are transformed according to what they should be. And what our deepest desires should be is for what Christ says here. He says, if you knew the gift of God and the one who is saying to you, which is himself, but the mystery of Christ is that in Christ, both gift and giver are united together. He is the gift of the Father, but he is also the giver of that gift in a mysterious sense. That culminates for us in the mystery of the Eucharist, as we've said before, where Christ, who is the giver, is also the gift. And the gift he gives is himself completely, body, blood, soul, and divinity. He gives to us a fulfillment of all our desires, but sometimes we don't desire them deeply enough. Sometimes we don't desire the things we should as we should. And so we can see that it is through conversation with Christ that as our understanding increases, so also does our desire change. And so this is what the Lord shows her with regards later. He will speak about saying, you worship what you do not know. It's important for us to have knowledge so that we know what we should worship. The woman says to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? As we've said before, the simple answer is yes. <laughs> this is the one who gave the well to Jacob. It wasn't Jacob who gave the well to the people. The one who operated and spoke through his prophets is now speaking to her directly. And she wants this water still not for its eternal consequences, and she still doesn't have a complete understanding. She says, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And this comes down to an important point in the spiritual life, which is that there is only so far that our mind can be enlightened so long as our heart is still not purified. And so, as one of the church fathers says, is that in order to enlighten the mind, the heart must undergo purification. And so, because she cannot yet grasp what the Lord is saying, he goes immediately to what is blocking her from being able to understand, which is the sin in her life. And so, Jesus, dealing with her very delicately, says, go and call your husband and come here. And so, he's going to begin to try to uproot what needs to be uprooted from her heart. The woman answered him, I have no husband. As we've said before, she tries to hide behind an ambiguous answer, right? There is shame that comes with sin. But the beauty of Christ is that he does not try to, to shame her in any way. He is delicate and gentle with sinners. And so what he does, as one of the church fathers and other commentators point out, is that he draws out of what she says something true. Unlike our current culture, which is always trying to catch people in their words, the Lord gives the benefit of the doubt. 
What he does is he looks for the kernel of truth in what she has said and he pulls that out. And he focuses on that in his gentleness and in his delicacy. And he says, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband. This you said truly. There's many ways in which the Lord could have responded. That is the most gentle and the most beautiful. And so now she is completely disarmed before him. She is completely at peace in his presence. Even knowing her sinfulness, she has encountered the one who is mercy. And now she says to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place to worship. All of a sudden now, she's no longer speaking of earthly water. She's speaking about adoration of God and right worship. All of a sudden, she has changed from seeking earthly things to giving heavenly things, to participating in heavenly activities. Her desire is being transformed. Her whole self is being transformed in his presence through a simple conversation with Jesus Christ. Then the Lord says to her, Woman, believe me, believe me. So what he says is, yes, there is this division in terms of how and why and where everything should take place with regards to worship, but he cites himself as the final authority. Believe me, believe me. He is the one who is the culmination of right worship and adoration. It is only through his adoration and praise and sacrifice that we can offer God anything that is pleasing. And so he says, the hour is coming, and the hour in Scripture is always a reference to the passion of Christ. The day is always a reference to his final coming in glory, but the hour is specific to that passion. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. And again, here comes the point in terms of knowledge. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. It was to them that the Lord had given the structure of worship that would be fulfilled and completed in Christ. And then he says that the Father desires a particular type of worship, a worship in spirit and truth. And so also, as we receive the Holy Spirit through baptism and through the grace of the sacraments, we are able to worship the Father in a spirit that is pleasing to him, which is his own spirit, and in a truth that is pleasing to him, which is the truth of his Son. The worship that the Father desires is worship that goes and acts and is animated through the Father, I mean through the Son and through the Holy Spirit towards the Father. And in this way he receives fitting praise and worship. And so also when we come to the Mass, we are filled as temples of the Holy Spirit and we participate in the sacrifice of the Son. And in this way our worship is pleasing. And then you can see that the woman now speaks no longer in general of worship, but specifically of the Messiah. She now has a desire for the one who will accomplish this. And then this is the beautiful moment in which the Lord reveals that the one that she now desires is speaking with her and is present to her. She longs for the Messiah for an instant, and he is present to her already speaking and in conversation with her. He says, I who speak to you am he. The one who is present is the Messiah. And so also this is the great mystery of our own encounter with Christ here at the Mass, but also in adoration. When we come and sit in his presence, 
and engage in conversation with God through the Scriptures. The one who spoke to this woman of Samaria speaks also to us. The one whom she encountered, we also encounter. The same Christ who was present to her is present to us. The same Christ who invited her into dialogue invites us into deep meditative prayer with him upon his word and upon the scriptures. And this way we can hope for a similar transformation, a transformation in which we become zealous for Christ. We see that she becomes the first great evangelist. She goes out into the town that has initially been hardened not only against the Jewish people, but she converts them by simply the proclamation of her own encounter. She brings an entire town to the feet of Christ because of her zeal. She leaves behind the jar that she brought, showing that she no longer desires these earthly things. And she goes off having been filled with having drunk from the living water that is Christ himself. This is what he invites us into in this season for a deeper conversion in our own lives and for a greater zeal in our life to preach the gospel that the Savior, the one whom we encounter, is here. And he is here in order to encounter others as well. Amen.